This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly sponsored by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. As a city supporter, we know you value delivery and McDelivery is up there with the very best. You'll always be winning with McDelivery because just like Kevin De Bruyne, McDelivery puts your order right on a plate. So the only thing left to say is, are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app and you can also get rewards points delivered as well. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for you tomorrow. Only via the app at participating restaurants, 18 plus, rewards registration required, points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. It's a big one, ladies and gentlemen, the one everybody has been waiting for. USA versus England at the World Cup. In the blue corner, fighting for the States, it's Adam. In the red corner, it's me. Expect conflict like we haven't seen between these two countries since the Revolutionary War. It's another City Report World Cup special. I'm Amos Murphy. I'm Adam Booker. And this is the City Report podcast. Unbelievable! Manchester United 1, Manchester City 6, it's 2 for Dzeko. Tottenham Hotspur 3, Manchester City 4. They have made the impossible possible. Now, this is the what third time we've had to try and start this recording for technical difficulties in in the previous two i had started by singing what i have been told off for twice for singing a a derogatory chant towards u.s soccer so i'm going to just simply pass over to you adam and you can start by walking us through the wonderful world of american football culture oh god we don't have enough time we'd need eight to ten hours of podcasting to talk about (laughs) american soccer slash football culture um, I would much prefer to just talk about the game this Friday, I'd have to say. Right. I think off the bat, we need to sort of uh, make some house rules. You can say American football without it meaning gridiron. Is that okay? Is like Just for, for confusion, you don't have to say American football slash soccer. You, can, you are allowed to say American football without everyone thinking it's the Packers versus the Vikings. Easy. Fantastic. Um, right, well, let's get on with it then. We are obviously previewing England's match against the USA in the World Cup group stage, which is on Friday. Um, Adam, Ollie and I reviewed England's thumping victory over Iran on Monday. It was recorded before the USA played Wales, but we were focused on England anyway, because that's how these things work. 
What did you make of the USA's first game in the group? 1-1 draw against Wales. Positives, negatives, happy with the result, disappointed, etc. Uh, it was kind of the epitome of this U.S. team for me, which is um, very high ceiling and a really low floor. Um, you know, for anyone who watched that game would have seen it was it was very much a game of two halves, which I know is such a cliche, but it, it really was true. Um, you know, the U.S. kind of came out flying in the first half, had a ton of the possession. They were pinning whales in deep, had, had a boatload of chances, couldn't take, you know, more than one, unfortunately. Um and then that second half, Wales got a bit more physical, a bit more direct and, and pinned the U.S. in and the U.S. didn't know how to deal with it. Silly challenge in the box leads to a, a Gareth Bale penalty and that's it. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, this this U.S. team is the youngest at the tournament. Um, I, I've already said throughout qualifying, it was every every single time we took the field, it was the youngest qualifying, uh, youngest squad we'd ever put out in qualifying games. So it's definitely... Um, for me, this is not this U.S. team's World Cup. It's absolutely the 2026 World Cup when it's here in Mexico and Canada. Because hmm. um, a lot of these players are you know, 21, 22, 23. Um, but all in all, a draw against a team with you know Premier League talent, championship talent is, in the grand scheme of things, the not, not the worst thing that could happen to the U.S., yeah, yeah, certainly. I mean, I've, I've just pulled up some stats here to to have a look at from the first half. Sixty seven percent possession against Wales for the for the US. Three goal attempts to Wales is two. One shot on target, obviously being the goal. So it was it was an absolute domination from uh, the US in the first half. Second half that goes straight back down to fifty fifty in terms of possession. Wales out out shooting uh, the US by by a couple of shots as well, and obviously uh, Wales had three shots and goals. The US didn't have a single shot and goal in that second half. So it, I saw some people saying actually online it was the sort of the textbook definition of a game of two halves, really, in the sense that. The USA really, if I'm being honest, should have had that game sealed by halftime. Minimum, minimum two-goal advantage. And, I mean, I've seen it a number of times watching Wales. I've seen it against England a number of times as well. You leave a chance, you leave the door open, a little bit ajar for, for Wales, and they'll walk, they'll walk right in. The You know, Gareth Bale did literally nothing for the, what, 86 minutes before he scored or whenever it was. Pops up with a penalty. You know, decent enough penalty, but probably uh, Turner will be a little disappointed. It was a, it was a, uh, an okay-ish height for the goalkeeper, but he, he wellies it away. And look, one-one draw. It, it sort of leaves I feel the US in a little bit of a predicament heading in to this second game. Now, I don't suppose you would have watched the England Iran game because it was that early in the morning for you, but I'm, I'm sure you've caught up and you've seen just how poor Iran were. Um, so. You, we're going to assume, and there's probably no reason to do this in this in this year's World Cup because it has been a little bit crazy. But we'll assume Wales take three points against Iran. The USA will then go into it, the England game, with just one point on the board, almost needing to win that, won't they? Depends on how you look at it. Um, <clears throat> I th- I think this second place in this group could very well come down to goal difference. Um, and I think that's kind of going to be who can concede the least amount of goals to England, really. Um, you know, that we, as we've seen in this tournament so far, that, you know, upsets are, are, are not necessarily um, rare. Um, and, and like I said with the U.S., there's an immense amount of talent on that team. Mm. It's, it's, you know, will they put it all together for 90 minutes? Um, 
it's and there's an extreme lack of experience as well alongside with that talent. So, you know, looking at this at this England game, I, I don't necessarily see it as a must win because I think if you can get a win against Iran for the US, a win against Iran, you draw against Wales and you can see less goals than than Wales do to England and and you're through and that's mm-hmm. really all that matters is getting through. So, um for me the biggest thing would just be seeing this U.S. team be proactive for 90 minutes because mm. for me, the issue in that second half against Wales was they were no longer proactive. They very much, um, you know, took the lead and and said, okay, we're just going to hold on for the next 45 minutes and credit to Wales that they, they you know, kind of put their foot on the on the gas pedal a little bit. But yeah, I, I don't know. I think if, if we assume Wales win against Iran, I, I don't necessarily think it's a must win. I think it's a... Um, don't get wiped. Don't get the floor wiped with you, basically. But that that's fine. But that assumes England beat Wales, and I think on paper you have to say they, they should. And you know, in a usual matchup, they, they absolutely should. But then you throw into the mix that if England win on on Friday, they they go through as um, automatic qualifiers, whether that's first or second depends on the Wales result. So there could be a very real situation where Wales are playing. Do you get second string sides in a World Cup? I suppose you probably have rotated teams, don't you? And, and a team in England who may only need a point or, or no points at all to secure a top spot. So I, I feel like going into that final game for the US, they're going to have to have more than a point on the board to, to sort of, if not psychologically, because you saw the way, I'm hesitant to say folded in the second half, but you saw the way this young team weren't able to handle with the psychological pressure. Wales are... The, the 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 Wales and the US was so well matched, while at the same time being so like polar opposites in terms of their experience. Wales are a team who've been here and not the World Cup, but in European Championships, done it before, got out of the groups. Um, so they know how to negotiate a, a tricky group stage situation. I just worry for the US that say England stick, even if it's two nil, and we'll get on to England in a minute because I don't think it will be as clear cut as that. But I say if England stick. Two goals, take a comfortable victory. I still think that there's going to have to be more than one point because it. I reckon it, Wales probably have a very, very real chance of getting something against England. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, I think for me, it's 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 hard to look at a game in which you're so much the underdog as a must win because mm. the expectations are so low going into it. Mm. Um, but you know, if you remove, if you remove the golf in, in talent between the two squads between England and the US. I wouldn't call it a must win, but okay. I think a draw for us, I think a draw would be a victory because England don't automatically qualify. They have something to play for yeah. against Wales. You yeah. get another point on the board and then you can maybe take some confidence from that going into the Iran game. So I think as much as this this isn't a very um well used phrase, but it's a must draw. And and anything from that is is I an absolute bonus. Yeah, I must not lose. Yeah. yeah, I reckon that that's probably where we can settle on this because um, I I just I, I have I feel something for Wales England England's way. I feel something's coming for England when they play Wales, whether or not England are qualified or not. A Gareth Bale free kick again. I don't know. I can just see it coming. But um, touching on the on the immense talent that you've referenced a few times, I know we did this in our preview as to who was sort of the main people. In terms of the US, who 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 are the danger men? Do you reckon for for English listeners who haven't seen the US play a lot, bar that opening game? Obviously, Timothy Ware, ex City, 
uh, a prodigy, uh, sorry, a son of an ex-City player, uh, George, and, and president of Liberia, uh, got the goal for the US. There's talents like that within the ranks, isn't there? It's just about unlocking their full potential and, and making sure it's consistent, not even across games, across both halves as we saw against Wales. Yeah, I mean, there's going to be a few, a fair few players that that English listeners probably have heard of. You know, obviously Christian Pulisic playing for Chelsea is is always a danger, and he's a completely different player for the U.S. than he is at Chelsea. You know, Chelsea is a, a bit part player for the U.S. He's the main man, um, which oftentimes kind of he's got a target on his back. He's very Jack Grealish in the sense that yeah. he's constantly getting kicked, he's constantly on the ground drawing fouls, and kind of getting in little scraps with defenders for taking, you know, kind of late challenges. Um, so Pulisic is a danger man. Um, Timothy Weah, as you mentioned, who got the goal against Wales is a danger man. He's got a ton of pace and, and as we can saw, could, can finish. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, looking at the bench from that, from that game against Wales, there's a, a couple of players that English listeners have probably heard of as well. Like Brendan Aronson plays for Leeds, who is just an absolute spark plug. And for me, should have been an automatic starter. Um, because of the energy that he brings and his ability to pick a pass. Um, and then Gio Reyna, who, you know, son of, of Claudio, obviously former mm. city. And, and now I think he's the president of the city football group, CEO, some, some, some important guy in the CFG. Um, he's for some reason didn't come off the bench against Wales. It was the big talking point. Um, yeah, that the, confused me a little bit. That was well, it, it just I, suited him at the time. You sort of bring on this explosive, midfielder sort of attacking option I suppose you wanted a little bit more control but the game didn't really suit that did it yeah I'm not to be honest I'm not sure what the thinking was um you know the the man that came off the bench instead of Gio Reyna was Jordan Morris who plays for Seattle Sounders and the MLS and I'm not one of the one of these people who um there are a lot of people who think MLS players should be nowhere near the U.S. national team solely based on the fact that they play in MLS. I don't have any sort of league bias. I just don't think he's a very good player in general, whether whether he played in the Bundesliga, MLS, or Liga MX. You have a Portland bias. You say you'd have no league bias. You have a Portland bias, don't you? I might have a slight Portland bias, <laughs> but listen, if he's good enough to play for the national team, he's good enough to play for the national team. Um, and I don't think he is. But anyways... Um, so, you know, I thought the substitutions from Bearhalter in the second half were a bit weird. And, um, you know, the, the game kind of turned on its head after those substitutions and the goal came not long after that. So there's Danger Men, Gio Reyna, Christian Pulisic, um, Timothy Weah. Josh Sargent is is decent um, with his back to goal. He can hold up the ball and, and get those wingers involved like we saw for the goal. Um, and then I think... Really, the U.S. main threat comes from the fullbacks. The fullbacks love to get forward. Serginio Dest from AC Milan and Anthony Robinson from Fulham. Um, if they get space... So England played a back four in the opening yeah. game? Yeah, correct, correct. So, you know, if England were maybe still in that back three or back five, there'd be a bit more space for the fullbacks, and I'd say that's an area they could threaten. Um, but it, it should be interesting to see kind of how the battle on the flanks kind of play out because mm. I think if I'm looking anywhere at where the U S could have an advantage and, and that's, you know, I'm scraping the bar- bottom of the barrel here for this, but you know, they're probably not going to win the midfield battle. 
um, you know, the the strike force of England is going to have a leg up on Walker Zimmerman and Tim Ream. If I were to look for anywhere where the U.S. could potentially have a leg leg up, it would be out wide. And if mm-hmm. if Robinson can start, you know, overlapping Pulisic and Desk gets gets over the top of Timothy Weah and they create some overloads, then they're dangerous. Um, the issue is kind of getting the ball into the England half and and making those chances happen. You mentioned the midfield there because over here. Um the the as I'm sure you're aware the the big talking point has been that midfield slot because Phil Foden um, obviously cherished in this parish didn't play or didn't start against Iran he he was left out the the team he replaced Mason Mount on a 71 minutes I think it was so he got 20 minutes with these added times he actually got 34 minutes which goes to show how much added time has been at the World Cup but the talk is whether or not he replaces Mason Mount. From your point of view, and I, I realise this is probably going to be a very short answer, who would you prefer to play in that midfield? So we've got Declan Rice, who did a fantastic job as sort of in that Rodri role, screening the back four. And then there is, um, going forward, Jude Bellingham, who who was probably man of the match, bar Bakayo Saka's brace. So there is that one spot, which I think is the only one up for grabs, p- pending Kyle Walker's injury, which we've not had an update on yet. Who would you prefer in terms of the US's chances of three points starts on Friday evening? Yeah, that's an easy one for me. Um, I mean, if I'm picking the England team, uh, it's Phil Foden because I think he's mm. he's the the most talented player um, in that England squad just from a technical ability point of view. Um, how uh, how did Mount play? I mean, I, I didn't watch the game. I think yep. it was might have been a 2 a.m. kickoff here. Um, <laughs> how did he play? He, he was okay. Um, he was considerably the worst what would you say, attacking outfielder, if that makes sense, because John Stones gave a penalty away and the defence didn't have a, lot to, have a lot to do anyway. He was considerably below par, but that was because everybody was was up here. It was a superb performance, even from the substitutes that came on. So I'd say that is the only doubt. I, I think with with the way Gareth Southgate's operated in the past and the way tournaments go, if you win a game so convincingly, you stick with that team unless his injuries. And I think that's probably where we're going to go, which is good news for the US, I'm guessing, because you'd, you'd fancy that midfield of Tyler Adams. Um, who, who, who would you say? Would you say Aronson comes in for for uh, Yunus Musa, or would you would you keep Musa again because he started and then you bring Aronson off the bench, or do you need that energy from the off? Well, so McKenney was coming into this, Weston McKenney was coming into this tournament with a leg injury. Um, he, in fact, the game against Wales was the foot, the first senior football he'd played since Halloween. Um, yeah. And he came off in, I want to say on the hour mark, somewhere around there, didn't look great. Was, immediately upon getting substituted, was taking all sorts of wrapping off of his leg. Um, if I were to see a change in midfield, I think it would probably be Aronson in for McKenney, and I think Musa okay. and, and um, Tyler Adams stay in there. And look, those two guys, and if you add Aronson to that, which in a game like this where you may not have a lot of the ball, the a midfield three of Musa, Adams, and Aronson, they are absolute pests. And yeah, if yeah. if they sniff that Declan Rice and Bellingham and and whoever it is can be got at and can be harassed. They will be all over them, and, and it will be a lot to deal with. I mean, you know, we're talking about Premier League level footballers here playing at Leeds, and and Musa starts for Valencia as well. So, um, I think that's the midfield I would go with if I were the U.S. And I think that battle will be interesting just because of the energy levels of of the the U.S. midfield. And 
you know, obviously, you know, Bellingham and, and Rice and Mount and Foden, these guys are no stranger to these types of players. Um, but it, it definitely will be interesting. That'd be a young midfield, wouldn't it? I mean, I know Jude Bellingham's there at 19 years old, but that's what's the average age of that midfield? About seven years old. Um, yeah. Tyler Adams. Especially the way that they look. They Aronson's all look really young as two. well. Yeah, yeah. So, it, and, and I mean, I know we'll, we'll touch on a little bit of the culture and the, the US football in part two, but you know you are looking ahead to 2026. Do you think there's a, there's a, a sort of a, not a complacency, but I suppose it's easy when there's a, a host tournament coming up I guess we'll leave it there for part one. We'll be back in a moment in part two to speak about, delve a little bit deeper into the culture surrounding US football. Welcome back to the City Report podcast. We are today, of course, previewing the USA versus England World Cup game. Um, I just like to finish off then this sort of this podcast, this little preview, speaking about the sort of US football in general, because it, it sort of unashamedly to say it isn't, a, a well-highlighted section of football, as you can imagine, over here. Sort of starting off, I, I believe it's a big game, isn't it, this one, for, for more than one reason, because the proximity of Thanksgiving, I want to say, which is a holiday that isn't linked to Christmas, but is in the same sort of... Yeah, yeah it's, uh, it's a big holiday here. It's not on Thanksgiving Day, which is the... I think it's the third Thursday of thanks uh, third Thursday of November every year is Thanksgiving. Right. So it's actually it's yeah. going to be Friday obviously. Um but it it will be good cuz a lot of people will have off from work which is not you don't you know I had plenty of friends this week I said hey you going to watch the game against Wales? Uh eh, no I've got a meeting and that's it like the World Cup is just a total afterthought which you know is yeah. I'm sure is probably kind of a new thing to to the English. Um but uh, yeah, I mean that that will help with kind of the buzz around the country is the fact that most people have off from work. Yeah, yeah. How, how's the how's the World Cup been received? Because it's it's been what is it? Twenty fourteen was the last time the US were in it, and and that was in Brazil. Do you think? I know we've spoken, haven't we? That you're not wholly feeling the World Cup. I I'm I'm very much involved. World Cup fever's sort of taken me a whole. But is it? Is it everywhere? Because in in the UK, when there's a tournament, you know, there's the shops aligned with Qatar 2022 merchandise. The adverts are gear up for the big match. Blah blah. I, I presume that's just not a thing in the US. No, it's definitely not. And um, this World Cup in particular, the buzz definitely seems to be down. I mean, I've seen some of the TV ratings, and the TV ratings are really, really good. Um, mm. But just from my own kind of personal bubble, you know, my um, my brother-in-law is huge football fan, been a Liverpool fan for decades. Um, mm. and I don't think he's watched one minute. And, and most of this has to do with the kind of, um, the sideshow of the world cup, which is the, you know, political and cultural, if you yeah. want to call these, these topics, um, if you want to label them as political and cultural, um, and you know, that's kind of, I think that's put off a lot of people who were like, mm, maybe I'll, I'll watch it. And the kind of everything going on off the pitch has, has put a lot of people off, which, you know, I, I don't blame them for that. I think it's affecting the way I'm watching mm. this. And, um, you know, I don't think I've actually been on the, the podcast since the tournament has started, but um, our broadcast coverage is Fox and it is Qatari television. I mean, it is like tr- <laughs> truly like 
segments of where to vacation in Qatar and look how hospitable, yeah, look at the, the look idea, at the views yeah. from here. And um, it's hard to watch. Um, I haven't watched one single minute of studio coverage yet, which normally it would be mm-hmm. 24 hours a day. I've got, I'm listening or watching somebody talk about the world cup. Um, mm-hmm. So the, but you know, the, I, I drive around my area a lot and, and, you know, I live in, the city, which is literally nicknamed Soccer City, USA. That is the nickname of Portland, Oregon. I don't think I've seen one thing relating to the World Cup other than maybe That's signs right. in some windows of pubs saying we're showing World Cup games or whatever. Yeah, that's that's mental, especially when you consider this time. Well, not this time in four years because it's, it's fucking November, but this time in three and a half years, the World Cup will be in the States, won't it? Is that, you reckon, is going to have a detrimental impact? Because I think even in the Olympics, for anyone who, who follows that um, sort of avidly, you'll see it as well. You know, there's a, there's a lot of chitter-chatter about the the upcoming host. And I know the Olympics have a closing ceremony and they do a handover and stuff like that. There isn't quite that sort of administrative role in football but there's always that sort of shadow well these are going to, these are the players we're going to see in four years time three and a half years time in the home nation and obviously it's going to be with Canada and uh, and Mexico as well but I suppose this 2026 World Cup it's a we're, we're starting early with previews <laughs> but it's a it's a big one for US football isn't it because it it sort of it has to be well, if you consider ninety four as the starting point, this has to be the litmus test in terms of how far it's come since then. And considering that it's not exactly being capturing the imagination so far, it's a little bit worrying, isn't it? I'm not worried about it, to be honest. Um, you know, Americans love fanfare; they love uh, they love an event. <laughs> um, so, if you're you know in one of the major cities that is hosting games, it's gonna it's gonna be a riot. It's gonna be good. I, I I've got no issue. Or, Where are they, by the way? I think not, I think Seattle, LA. So Seattle's the closest to me, which is about two and a half hour drive. Seattle, yeah. LA, San Francisco, Denver, New York, Washington DC, okay. Miami, maybe Dallas, Texas. It's kind of at all the best NFL stadiums. Yeah, it's it's pretty spread out, isn't it? I mean, there's a big sort of north, uh, north, never eat, northwesterly part of the country that isn't exactly looking. I've pulled up the map, by the way. There's not really anything in that sort of middle western. That's because there's nothing there. Totally period. <laughs> Just like a couple <laughs> of sheep and some it, blades yeah. of grass. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But I mean, you know, on the coast at least, it is pretty spread out, which is good. Um, but that might be that might be something I start planning a trip for. That looks incredible. But I suppose you footballing wise as well you just got to hope that that world cup hits hard um because i know you've bemoaned a number of times the the culture surrounding us football and i suppose a, a decent run here starting with a victory against england might kick things into gear a little bit I don't know. yeah and and i think people will definitely get more involved in this world cup if the us get to the knockout rounds um as much as i hate mm. to say that but you know these games where they're not you know win or go home games i mean they, they are at some point, but like in yeah. in the the eyes of a you of an American sports fan and an average American sports fan, these group stage games are kind of meaningless. Um, mm. So you know, I, I remember when we played Belgium in the round of sixteen in Brazil, and the buzz just around the country was phenomenal. I went to a watch party with you know hundreds and hundreds of people watching on a, a big screen mm. in the middle of Virginia. Um, but yeah, I mean, 
the the obviously the better the U.S. do, the better the reception is going to be, and um, the worse the U.S. do, the the more the the view of soccer or football in this country is, um, you know, well, we've got other sports to focus on. Who cares that we're not good? Yeah. Um, yeah. Whereas that may not that might not be the case. You know, we we might might get into that final game against Iran and it's some thrilling six five game and and you know and <laughs> it was you know fantastic to watch and everyone should have enjoyed it and um, you know it, who knows but. It'll be interesting to see. And to be fair, I, I you know I haven't left my house for any of these games. You know we've got a cup, couple mm. of football pubs here that are fantastic. That apparently you, you have to get tickets just to go to. You you know you, you can't even oh, wow. walk in. So there is some buzz. Yeah. But it's not you know there's not American flags flying down the down the city center in in support of the team. Yeah. For yeah. Once. For, for once. once. What I mean. Why, why focus on the the actual World Cup when you can focus on the uh, Major League Baseball World Series? Yeah, um, that, that's all I've got to say. Uh, final question, Adam, quickly: um, Do you believe that the US will win? I believe that we will win. <laughs> yes. As like long, hey, as, long as, we, as long as we as long as we fight, we will win, Amos. <laughs> say the word say the word he said the word right okay that'll do for today uh follow subscribe share etc this has been the city report podcast we'll see you later Make sure you're geared up for Man City's end-of-season running with McDelivery. Great food delivered right to your door. By using McDelivery, you won't miss a moment of City's crucial running, and just like Kevin De Bruyne, they deliver your order exactly where you want it. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. Are you in? At participating restaurants only, 18 and plus, serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.